0: Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Roswell, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast.
1: Oh, Marie, you know just how to say that. Um, Probably because I wrote that, but that's beside the point. Hey, thanks for the introduction. So Rick, this marks the uh, fifth of 21 messages on the kingdom secrets that Jesus is inviting us to receive. You know, it made me think of uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews when he wrote, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. there's that phrase, uh, you know that phrase that that I think is is overused. That this changes everything. You know i, I don't like a I don't like it because the new car model doesn't change everything. Um, but the kingdom that Jesus is talking about does indeed change everything. What we value, what we hope for, what we yearn for, what we dream for, and most importantly, who we worship and who deserves laying our lives down for. So. I say all that just to ask this question. As we go through the series, what part of our lives should be challenged the most? Um, like if, if there was like one word that we should think about to
0: give us focus regarding the kingdom of God, what might that be? Sean, I would pick the word values. Hmm. Or if you would let me use two words, core values. Hmm. What, what's, what is a person's core values? What do you value most in life? And when um, when you come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, that overused phrase is true. It changes everything yeah. because it changes your core values. What what consumes your time, your talent, your treasure? Those are your core values. And you know, may, maybe maybe time, talent, and treasure is one of those overused phrases, but it certainly fits here. Uh, Jesus is is addressing and radically changing our core values. Mm. And that's why I love the parables because they, they cut through the crust of our lives and they get down to the core. What, what do you value most in life? And are you willing to change those values? Mm. I, I think it's interesting that the Lord Jesus doesn't say, now,
1: guys, I'm going to tell you some religious values here that uh, you really need to focus in on. He doesn't say anything like that. He just says the kingdom of God is like and, uh, and, and I love it because we really get it more. We really understand it more um, in the way that he told it through these stories. And so uh, that's why I love this series. So now this past week you gave a, a rather clever title that the the kingdom is for the birds, right? Well, that-
0: actually the title was This Church is for
1: the Birds. Oh! <laughs> this Church is for the Birds. Right, okay. Now is that because the church is full of... Uh, A lot of weird birds, you know, as you said in the message. By the way, you need to check out this message by going to rosalgrace.com and and click under watch. But all those weird birds like that you mentioned, uh, buzzards, owls, songbirds, birds of
0: prey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we've had, it's really been fun to think back over the 20 plus years here at Grace. All the different kinds of birds that God has sent, but... I love that part of the parable because he's really contrasting the how tiny the mustard seed is, and yet it grows into the largest of all garden plants. And then he adds this line that he says, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Hmm. And what a beautiful picture of a God providing in his kingdom shade for all different kinds of people. It's a picture, Sean, of, of safety, safety, of security, uh, uh, the church should be a place of rest. How about this of relief? Mm. You know, the the world is dangerous. Yeah, It'll, it it beats you up. Uh, it's merciful, merciless out mm-hmm. there. And the church ought to be a place of refuge where people can come after getting yelled at, kicked at, screamed at all week. Yeah, it ought to be a place where people can come and uh, and just find rest. Yeah. And, and relief. Yeah. I, I think about
1: one of the signature things that we have at grace are these ministries of healing or um, of redemption um, uh, or um, of support. Yeah. Like for instance, we have uh, celebrate recovery, We have grief share, we have divorce care, we have cancer with grace, yeah. hope for mental
0: health. Yes, all of those are for recovery. Yeah I love that word recovery. It's it's like, man, I've just been beat down. I need to recuperate. Yeah. And yeah, all those ministries are designed to provide shade for the birds. All right. So based on that parable of the mustard seed, the, the, the two main
1: truths that are in the kingdom of God, the, the instruction to its citizens of this kingdom are that, number one, we must be willing to grow big. And then number two, we must be willing to love big. So... I, I can't help but think: Who was this parable originally meant for? Do you think he was trying to prepare them for this
0: for a watershed moment that was really going to come? Yeah, kept twofold answer on that, Sean. You know, originally Jesus, of course, was speaking to a Jewish audience. Yeah, I think he was trying to prepare them, perhaps, you know, crack a hard nut. <laughs> that hey, listen, my kingdom is not going to be limited. ...to the Jewish nation. It's not going to be just another Jewish sect. Mm-hmm. My kingdom is going to open up and include Jews and Samaritans... ...and Roman Gentile centurions... Yeah. ...and ultimately the ends of the earth. Yeah. Um, now, so originally it was written to the Jewish audience... ...but now we have to remember Mark... ...the Gospel of Mark was written to more of a Gentile audience... Now, most scholars believe it was originally addressed to the Christians in Rome. Hmm. Uh, and so there were Jews there, but also Gentiles in the church. And uh, what a beautiful parable for a Gentile when he realizes, you know, this, this mustard seed of the kingdom of God is not going to be this small seed, this movement that's going to be limited to Jerusalem and Judea. But it's really going to go to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Hey, and it's going to include people like me, a, a Gentile Roman citizen. Yeah. I love that picture. Yeah. I I bet they were pretty
1: excited to think he's. I think he might be talking about us. You know, whether we're from some Germanic tribe or some Asian tribe or African tribe, mm-hmm. he's talking about us, and how excited they must have been that uh, that God was including. Of course, that meant bigger changes. Uh, maybe a harder change uh, for the Jewish believers. In fact, I was, I was even thinking about uh, how um, in, in Ezekiel, and I know I'm kind of moving around a little bit, Rick, but, but how in Ezekiel, um, he was saying, uh, on the mountain heights of Israel, he said this in Ezekiel 17, uh, I will plant it, I will produce branches and, and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar, and birds of every kind will nest in it, and they will shelter. Uh, in the shade of its branches, and all the trees of the field will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. I gather up the green tree, or I dry up the green tree, and make the dry tree flourish. And then he said, I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. I don't know if they felt nervous about that, or if they felt excited about that. I don't know. What, What are your thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, I wonder, wouldn't it be interesting if this passage may have been in the the mind of Jesus when he told the parable of the mustard seed? Hmm. You have to remember Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet um, to the Babylonian captivity people. Uh, So here the Jews have been uh, delivered out of their homeland. They're captives in Babylon. They feel helpless. They feel hopeless. Yeah. And so Ezekiel comes to them and says, "Well, number one, here's what got you into trouble: uh, you were disobedient, <laughs> yeah. you worshipped idols, and this is your punishment." But Ezekiel is always uh, he's always there to say, "But there's still hope. Uh, there, this isn't the end of the story, and this is one of those promises that Ezekiel is saying: Listen, someday there's going to be a, a fresh sprout yeah. come." And um, other passages talk about the remnant, the believing remnant is going to come out of the Babylonian captivity. The true Israel is going to come. And, and Sean, ultimately that the true Israel, the remnant, manifests itself in the church. Yeah. So Jesus comes and calls the remnant, believing Jews, grafted in Gentiles. Mm. and the, the church is born. yeah. And it is a fulfillment of this Ezekiel passage.
1: You know, I, I'm feeling a great sense of, of gratitude for our our, our Jewish and, and Gentile ancestors who uh, gave of their literally their blood and their bodies to make sure that the gospel would continue to be spread. Um, to here it is, 2021. What, of course, what what year did did you become a Christian? Oh my goodness, that
0: would be for me about... 1979. <laughs> no, I became a Christian in about 1956. 56? Yeah. <laughs> so all those years crossing oceans
1: and, and peoples yeah. and political systems, and, and, uh, and, and, and we were able to receive the gospel. And we, I'm looking at that Ezekiel passage, I'm thinking about this Mark passage, and, and that's for us. And I just give glory to God for, for, that He would desire us. To yeah. be a part of that, and
0: uh, yeah, you know Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied, "A branch will come out of Jesse." <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, out of you know Jesse yeah. and, and David, that lineage. Yeah. Jesus was that branch. Yeah, and I mean here the analogy is again, it is the, the, the kingdom of God. The church was was planted by by Jesus, the seed and the branch, and. Out of Jesus grew this beautiful plant called the church. Yeah. And we get to rest in its branches.
1: Rick, this, I know we, we script a lot of these questions, okay? And so that's the little secret sauce, everybody. But I, this is my question. What if someone out there right now is, they're thinking, I don't know, I'm a pretty lost bird. Um, honestly, the church's branches they've never made much sense to me not very desirable to me but you're saying something that resonates with me it's making sense what would you say to them to say give it a try
0: yeah absolutely go back and read this parable in mark chapter 4 you'll notice when he says that uh, the branches are so big that the birds can perch in its shape there's no exclusion that he doesn't say well except I don't like blackbirds, mm-hmm. or except I don't like common sparrows. So they're they're not welcome. Mm. There's no exclusion. Yeah. None at all. The kingdom is open for all who would enter, all yeah. who have enter. So, yeah, give it a try. Uh, you know, you, you've tried everything else that the world has to offer. How's that working out for you? All right. As Dr. Phil would yeah. say. Great <laughs> um, evangelist. Give Jesus a try. Give, give Jesus a try. Just see what happens. Yeah. And they won't be alone. I mean, how many birds like them have uh, have Billions
1: (laughs) and billions. (laughs) And have become stalwart and pillars of the church, just like them. But uh, Okay, now, let me bring it back to some more contemporary interpretation. Um, You said that the price of growth is, well, it's gonna cost us two things. One is convenience and the other one is control. Could
0: you explain what you mean by that? Think of it in two categories, Sean. Uh, first of all, personal growth, individual growth, uh, for me as an individual. When I become a member of God's kingdom, that means uh, I give up control, uh, control of my life. So suddenly, instead of me on the throne, it's Jesus on the throne. That can be very inconvenient. Mm. Uh, for example, Jesus tells me, Sean, I have to love you and care about you and meet your needs. And Well, that's terribly inconvenient. I would rather be concerned about me and my needs, and I'm number one. Uh, So that's giving up control, giving up convenience on an individual level. Uh, On a a corporate level, the the church, corporately speaking, the church, it's very inconvenient to grow a church. You know, Mm -hmm. I was a a pastor of a small church. It's it's easier to pastor a small church, Mm -hmm. but now, uh, you know, as the church grows, there's more birds, and per, all these birds have issues. And how do you lead all those? And all, of, all of a sudden, you realize it's going to be very inconvenient to be a member of God's church. Yeah. Because in the church, you have to give up control. Now, Sean, I mentioned two specifically, uh, two specific areas where you have to give up control. Now, number one, pastors. If you're going to grow a large church. Mm-hmm. Really get the branches out there. And inviting the birds to come. Pastors have to give up the ministry to the members. Mm. See, one pastor can only lead so many people. But if a pastor turns the ministry over to the members, suddenly you don't have one minister. You have hundreds yeah. of ministers. Well, that's hard yeah. for pastors because most pastors got into the business mm-hmm. of pastoring so they could shepherd people and pastor people. Um, they've got to be willing to, to give up that. Now other side of the coin, members, they have to give up something too. They have to give up leadership. Mm. They have to trust the leadership to the pastors and say, Okay, we have regular jobs. We can't lead the church. We don't have enough time to and, and energy to lead the church. So we want the pastors to lead So we'll give up the leadership to them, and the pastors give up the ministry to the members. That's how you grow a church. Yeah. Now, of course, for those of you who
1: are listening and unfamiliar with how we do things at Grace, we we have a very uh, carefully laid out strategy. And so we invite you to look that up in roswellgrace.com. But that's that's talked about and discussed, especially in uh, Class 301, Discovering Ministry. And so sometimes people may get confused. Because people might say, well, I thought only ministers, could." the only people who were ministers were the ones that went to seminary and Bible
0: college. And we're saying... Yeah, biblically speaking, uh, the members are the ministers. Every member is a minister. It's the priesthood of all believers that Martin Luther and the great reformers called us back to, to that biblical truth, that it's a priesthood of believers, not one priest. Yeah, Not one minister. And uh, Ephesians four twelve talks about how pastors. Our
1: main designation is to equip the body uh, to be ministers. And so, uh, if you have questions about that, check it check it out. Uh, yeah.
0: The bottom line, Sean, is the church has to decide. They can structure for control or mm. structure for growth. Yeah. But you can't do both. <laughs> you can't do both. You got to pick control yeah. or growth. Can you say that again? Yeah, a church has to structure for either control or growth, yeah. but it cannot do both. Wow, wow.
1: And, you know, I, I think about either my own children or, you know, I've met frustrated adults because their parents are still trying to control them. Uh, and for some of them, it worked, but boy, they are messed up because uh, they, they, they weren't able to grow. They weren't able to mature. Um, and at Grace, we want people to mature We want them to become even better at, at, at ministry than,
0: than than you or I In what they're called to do, right? Yeah, I, I could not control this church if I wanted to <laughs> I, it, it's, it, it's, From my perspective, it's out of control Yeah. But the good news is, it's not my church uh, This church belongs yeah. to Jesus Christ Amen. He's got it under perfect control Yeah
1: All right <laughs> So, if you ever wonder, how do you guys function? And we, we sometimes scratch our head and say, you know, I mean, there is an official answer, but sometimes we don't even know ourselves. So, okay. Um, you know, this made me think about a couple th- couple things, because this this week we got a couple of cards, comment cards, asking us to turn down the volume. Okay, so the music. Right. So, this is an attempt by some to, to have a little bit of um, leadership, uh, right? Yeah. So, um, um but is that one of the conveniences that we may need to give up like like of course we invite people to to give us comments and things like that because we do need to listen but what what if we were just to say i agree that volume isn't spiritual or non-spiritual but i just think it's more important to teach people to worship under 100 decibels so sometimes i think that we forget that um that unrepentant sinners will think and act like sinners i mean we used to be that at one time, right? So what, would, what advice would you give to grace members who say, Rick, I just want a church I can be comfortable in?
0: Yeah, there's a control issue, isn't yeah, yeah. there? I would say you have to give up your control of that. Um, you know, Sean, you know we have 10 values that really guide our church. They're part of our DNA. And value number six says our methods must be culturally relevant and our message biblically pure. That culturally relevant is very important. Mm -hmm. We cannot do church music like they did back in the 50s, where you had a PA system. Remember those? Oh, yeah. A PA system, and you had a song leader up there with a hymn book in one hand, and he was waving like he was swatting flies (laughs) with the other. Uh, You you cannot reach uh, the generation today without... Uh, reaching them with their style of music, you yeah. know, with Christian words, but their style of music. So I, I I would say, and I've actually told people before, listen, honestly, the mature response, if the music is too loud for you, wear earplugs. <laughs> now, at, when the sermon starts, you got to pull them out. Yeah, yeah. Know? But <laughs> wad up some Kleenex and just yeah. put it in your ears and it will soften the sound. Now, we are, Sean, we're very careful. We would never, ever turn the music... To a level that it would damage people's ears, right. damage people's hearing. We're very, very careful with that. But yeah, we have to say, if we're going to reach the birds of our community, yeah. how do we get them here? And if one way is turning up the music a bit, that that's what we'll do.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think that uh, we 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 the moment that we start saying that we don't want to reach the generation. In fact, you you mentioned this. In your message the moment that we don't want to reach the generation that grew up on Facebook and TikTok and uh and MTV, uh, and and loud, really weird, strange rock music that we that we never listened to when we were young, then what, what are we saying to that generation?
0: Yeah, we're, we're saying, Hey, we're going to heaven, but you can go to hell. Yeah, we, we cannot say that. No, we can't say that. Just even thinking that is. Just shocks me. It helps to realize that we have been so inundated with a consumer mentality in our mm. culture. We, we treat churches like restaurants. You know, we go church shopping, like we would go to a restaurant, and we would use criteria to okay, this yeah, the food was good, the service was good, that the air conditioning was set just right, and then we take that same those same criteria. When we go church shopping, and it's and it's what's in it for me. Yeah. Do they sing my kind of music at my level? Was the sermon short or too long? And were the people nice? Was the chair comfortable? And I'm, I'm afraid that, uh, you know, Jesus would not get good Google reviews <laughs> on some of his sermons. What do you think, John? I think you're right. Now, to be clear,
1: that... Well, you were you were directing those comments towards mature Christians or who should be mature Christians. Absolutely, non Christians or uh, spiritually immature, they will be looking at that, and that's why we do want to help them to to, to have a, an experience of grace that that is oh, that's kind of like the music I listen to, yeah. or I really like that beat, or yeah, I like this this sound level. This is
0: yeah. this
1: is not like what I was thinking about or grew up with.
0: Yeah, we want God's music to connect with people. Yeah,
1: yeah. Ah, I appreciate that. Okay, so, um, Rick, your your second point was that we need to be willing to love big. Um, And so, you know, I I think that everyone would agree that, uh, yeah, of course we need to love, right? Uh, There's even a car company that says love is an important part of their manufacturing process. But I, I think that we need to go a little deeper, Where do most Christians, in your opinion, uh, and and I want to think specifically about grace, where do we not go far enough? Um, In other words, do we maybe presume but not actually practice love? Um, What love challenges do you see that we have?
0: The challenge is to love big, and the temptation is to love small. And Jesus talked about this, you know, uh, what good is if, if you just love people who are like you? Right And the, the t- loving little, loving small means I'm going to love people who agree with me, who vote like me, who comb their hair like me, who dress like me, who act like me. The The challenge will be to love people who maybe they don't even like you, uh-huh. but they're certainly not like you. They don't vote <laughs> Ooh, nice like turn. you. Yeah. Um, it's, the old, it's the old contrast of... Uh, God wants unity, not uniformity. Mm. And I use the analogy, Sean, of melting pot versus salad bowl. Mm. And the temptation is for the church to be a melting pot. What's a melting pot? Well, you put different things in the pot, but then you heat it up, and it all becomes one big clump <laughs> of sameness. That's not God's vision for the church. Yeah, Think more salad bowl. When you, when you have a salad bowl, you have lettuce and tomatoes and croutons and cucumbers and whatever else you like to put in the salad. But what makes a salad delicious is that each bite maintains its own texture and flavor. Yeah. Like when you eat a salad, you put your salad together, put it in a blender, put a little water and hit the blender and then drink your salad. Nasty. That sounds nasty, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> But a salad, see what makes a salad inviting Uh is each individual part contributes to the whole, but it's not uniform. There's unity, it's a bowl, but each part is unique. Each part is different. That's the challenge I think that we have uh, in the next 20 years at Grace. Mm -hmm. We cannot fall into the trap of being a melting pot. How do you know? Look around. If everybody around you at church looks like you, acts like you, smells like you, yeah. that's not a salad bowl. That's a melting pot.
1: You know, when when I see when I hear that, I I think that that's the larger picture. Um, but when I get when I think about getting a little closer, I, I think it does mean that um, we're such a sometimes a standoff society. We we're afraid of talking to people or we, I don't know if we think our we smell funny or they smell funny or we're afraid of being judged, but I think that that particularly on a Sunday morning, and this is to the mature, they really do need to, to say, you know, I've never seen that person. I better go say hi. Uh, that yeah. has nothing to do with, in, in my opinion, nothing to do with personality, whether someone's an extrovert or an introvert. It has nothing to do with that. It has something to do with, are they gonna feel valued? Uh, I, are they gonna be a bird that just lands on the branch? You you're very comfortable there. You know how sturdy it is and how beautiful it can be under this great tree. And you're gonna say, Hey, you need to stay here. Don't don't go off by yourself. You're gonna get shot by a hunter. Stay here with us. Yeah. Who are you? Where did you come from? Come tell me
0: more about you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, every Sunday morning at Grace we have Take about 30 seconds, and to do a thing called reading time. Yeah. Right before the sermon, I say, hey, everybody, stand up, say good morning to somebody around you. Yeah. Some people have said, you know, Rick, that is the most inconvenient, uncomfortable part of our service. And I say to them, you're exactly right. (laughs) Because it is inconvenient. It's uncomfortable for me to break out. But I would also say it's essential. Yeah. Absolutely essential. To force people to do something as simple as turning around and say, good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Nice to see you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what if they say something like, yeah, we just moved into town.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or this is our first time to grace. Yeah. Well, that should uh, create a conversation at the end of the service. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree, Sean. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, Rick,
1: we got to move on here. So, as you know, we started something new called Rick's Quote of the Week.
0: So, Rick, you got a quote for us? Well, this is from Mark Twain. Oh! Mark Twain, the great Mark Twain. I love this quote. He says, The two most important days in your life are the day you were born... And the day you find out why. Ah, okay. Now, why is that important to you? Why, why did that ring forth? Yeah. Well, you know, here at Grace, our, our theme, our message, our vision is to help people find and fulfill God's purpose for their lives. That We want people to know the answer to that why question. You know, I, when people come to Grace, they know the day they were born. Yeah. They just don't know why. Yeah. Our goal is to help them learn, why are you here? Why are you on planet Earth? Yeah, that's why I love that Mark Twain quote.
1: Okay, so at Grace, we we care about your birthday, and we also care about your purpose date.
0: Amen. Okay, well set. said. Well, what else is going on here at Grace this Sunday? Kingdom secrets continue, Sean. I'm going to get rather personal Sunday. The title of the sermon: dealing with our weight. Oh no, Rick! You can't go there. Let me explain. Let me explain. The word "weight" is W-A-I-T. Oh, so we're not going to talk about pounds. We're going to talk about waiting, having to wait. You're so clever. We're going to look at the great uh, parable of the wheat and the weeds. Ah. Also, Sunday night class five hundred one: discovering magnification. So uh, you got to complete all four classes leading up to that to qualify, but it's a great finale. We have a lot of fun and a great celebration. It is, it
1: is powerful. So if you've gone through 101 through 401, do not miss 501. It's going to be fantastic. All right. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time
0: with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at rosalgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to rosalgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and
1: this is Living Your Dash.